Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Ernest Lawrence Thayer's 1888 poem, Casey at the Bat, is about unrealized hope, hubris, and the importance of jumping on first-pitch fastballs. It stood the test of time to emerge as one of the most indelible pieces of baseball writing. From vaudeville stages to cartoonist easels, the tale has come to life, entertaining generations with its timeless simplicity and unsatisfying ending. I've heard it recited scores of times. Despite this, last night, in a desperate attempt to find new bedtime material for my sleep at birth son, a whole new element of the story presented itself upon reading. Why did the opposing manager pitch to Casey? Given all available evidence, shouldn't the strategy have been an intentional walk? Or outside of that, to pitch around him? Let's explore the situation. Mudville famously trailed 4-2 to two in the bottom of the ninth. Flynn, who had let fly a single, was a hugging third. The much maligned Jimmy Blake was safe at second after doubling. Casey, representing the game-winning run, stepped into the batter's box with first base open. Now, here's what we know about Mighty Casey. He was the player the home crowd had placed all their faith in. A hitter so fearsome they'd have put even money on delivering in such a situation meaning he'd shown close to a 50% success rate with runners in scoring position. The poem implies that they'd also take this wager in a first and second scenario, revealing their confidence was, specifically, in Casey wrapping an extra base hit. We know that he was so confident in his ability that he was willing to hit with two strikes. It's an assumption, but the powerful hopefulness of the crowd implies that this was not, in aggregate, misplaced faith. Critically, We do not know who is on deck, but the poem is not, this guy was on deck. It's Casey at the bat. That was the moment. In fact, the absence of such information is an editorial choice. The next man in the order was so meaningless, he wasn't even given a name or addressed at all. Casey was to end the game at the towering drive. He was going big, or he was going to go home. Look, managerial mindsets have evolved greatly in the 134 years since the fictional event took place. Intentional walks were not as ubiquitous. The game was played with more machismo. It would have likely been seen as a cowardly move to take the bat out of Casey's hands. And allowing the game-winning run to reach base is always a risk. But I must say, with the facts at hand and the educated guesses gleaned from the context clues, the opposing manager was not playing the percentages and allowing his pitcher fresh off giving up two hard-hit balls to face Casey. That he'd be allowed to challenge him so aggressively is downright shocking. Mudville's opponent was perfectly willing to let Mudville's best player beat them. Had things gone another way, the local scribes would have been out for blood in the next day's newspaper. The first two offerings to Casey were both called strikes, though the lusty, 
dissension from the crowd paints a picture of their borderline nature. Thayer did not offer any pitch FX data in the appendix or anything. Again, analytics weren't as celebrated in 1888. So we're left to imagine where the third and final pitch was located. Perhaps Casey, so anxious to be the hero, chased something out of the strike zone. I've always believed it was yet another hittable fastball. In my mind, the poem was about failing to capitalize on opportunity, not about having it taken away by outside forces. Things had to happen this way for the sake of the story. All things equal, though, I'm pitching around Casey and taking my chances with the next man at the bat. Just because it worked out doesn't mean that it was smart. Welcome to the Kyle Coster Show, presented by The Big Lead. It is that time of week again. Week four is in the books for the International Baseball League of West Michigan. And there was a doozy on Sunday early in the morning at Hillcrest between the Cubs and the Cardinals. Now, these two teams have a long and storied history having matched up in the playoffs the last two years. And we knew that this was going to be really important for playoff seating. And I would say that the game delivered. It was definitely the game of the year so far in the league. Unfortunately for myself, the Cubs were not victorious, but that is good news for my guest today. And Selmi Arroyo, longtime member of the Cardinals and exacted some revenge on us. We're going to talk about this game, but how are you feeling on this Monday after a huge victory? You guys are off to a great start. Now three and one, you've beaten some good teams. And I think more importantly than that, you have shown the medal and you guys have the horses to compete come playoff time, I think in a way that you didn't the previous two years. So you have to be feeling really great about the state of the Cardinals right now. Oh yeah, for sure, man. We, we've been hitting the ball. Well, uh, a lot of us have been showing a lot of pop. Like it's, uh, it's looking way better than last year already, man. Our guys are like barely striking out, you know, uh, especially facing the pitchers you guys had out there, man. I, I, I give them props, man. He threw them 11 innings, but, man, he was he was a horse out there. Impressive, man, throwing all speed. I just, man, it just surprised me. And then we had our, our couple of guys that, that we brought in, you know, to play against you guys for sure because, you know, we needed the, the extra hand. They, they delivered. They delivered at the end of the day, you know. We played pretty well. So what you're referring to there is our starting pitcher. I was traveling, so I was going to be late to the game. So that meant that Christian Flicky got the start. He previously played for the A's, one of the best pitchers in the league. He yes, had a really rough opening day, responded in his next outing by striking out eight over three innings. So he got the start on the hill, and he was immediately confronted with a tremendous amount of bad luck as the Cubs turned in one of the worst defensive innings I can remember in my five years with the team. I think there was one hit that led to four runs. There was an error at shortstop. More confusingly, there were three tag plays where mm-hmm. there was just no sense of urgency from our defenders that allowed you guys to get on the board, go up for nothing early. At that point, how were you feeling? Well, it felt, it felt pretty good, you know, to get a relief, to get a, a lead on you guys. Because, you know, we, we knew what's behind you guys. The, the bats, you know, could get going any second. 
So, you know, we, we were pretty happy about it, pretty pretty confident, you know? Especially, you know, like you said, those those tags played, man. Like at third, when Edgar didn't didn't tag the upper body, he got the foot in. I was like, wow. That was just like like by an inch. I was like, I was surprised. And then uh the one at home play, I don't I didn't know if was Mo got knee to the face or what, because he looked out of it a little bit there, right? Yep, that's exactly what happened. The first play that we're referring to was a pickoff play. The throw beat him by about 10 feet, but there was a collision at home plate. Mo got injured and that affected him subsequently on those last plays. Um, so you can't really blame him. He could barely catch the ball. He could barely throw. He was injured. He came out of the game, but I would liken it to kind of like in a football game where you have high expectations and you're feeling good and you know, you have to play a good game to start and then boom, the team is out to a 14 to nothing lead and you're behind the eight ball. And we knew that with your pitching, it was going to be a struggle to score runs. We responded in the bottom of the first as Alex Sanchez hit a tape measure homer to make it four one. And then we picked away and we picked away. It was six to three at some point. Eventually we came back because Flicky was unbelievable after that first inning. And he ended up throwing all 11 innings, which I think is a league record. And if it's not, it should be because nobody should pitch that much, but he was dominant and he deserved a better fate than he got because there was a lot of traffic out on the bases, but the amount of outs he got in high leverage spots, I don't know how many left on base you guys had, but it seemed like it was at least eight to 10. It was really a masterful performance. One that you would never really understand looking at the score and seeing nine to six. It was one of the better games I've ever seen pitched in the league, considering the longevity. I think the good part for the Cubs is knowing that we have him as an arm come playoff time is a huge boom to us. Flicky being that strikeout option is really Mm -hmm. huge for us. So even though we lost, I saw a lot of things from the Cubs that make me feel good. And even though we're two and two, I feel like we're right there. And if we clean it up a bit, we're one of the top three teams in the league as we always are. And then it'll be a matter of who performs come playoff time. What can you tell me about these ringers? Because as I showed up to the park, I looked over at the bench and I saw a lot of people I didn't recognize and then I watched them throw a baseball or pick up a bat. And it was immediately clear to me why they were there. They were there to do damage. And for the most part, they did uh, some incredible plays from the third baseman and the shortstop. So can you shout who those people are? Or shortstop, he's uh, he's Matt. I don't know if you remember him, but he played he played last year, come to the playoff and everything. And in all honesty, I believe he's the best player we, we always bring to the team. He can hit for contact, hit for power. He filled his position. I don't know if you remember last year, uh, that first, the second game, I think we played against you guys at Belknap. We won the game because he was playing third and he made like seven or eight plays that a regular person was not going to make there. He, you know, he makes the plays, uh, rarely strikes out. It's aggressive. He steals bases. Then uh, the guy who's playing third for us most of the time, he's, uh, he plays with, uh, you know, Gonzalo, his, uh, his son-in-law, he plays with them out of state. So, you know, they were in town and they're going to be back for, for a few more games. So, you know, don't know much about the guy, but I can tell you he has a strong arm, quick bat, you know. He didn't do too much hitting, but he just, he just you know, got, has to get used to it. I think what's really great, and as much as it sucks to lose, it was – a good baseball game and there were a lot of people there and it was the most alive. I feel like the league has been all year. And I think it kind of can show what it can be when you have this level of talent going up 
against each other. And I'm always happy to see new faces, even if they're from out of state or whatever, because you don't get any better racking up wins against bad competition. If you're going to go out there and play on Sunday, I would much rather play a tightly contested game and lose. Now, obviously I want to make the playoffs, but I'd rather do that than go out and, and pace a team like 20 to three. Uh, it's just more exciting. It feels like a better use of the time. Do you think that this is what your roster is going to look like come playoff time? Or will you guys be kind of fielding that question of whether you're able to get those people back on the field for the knockout round? There's a 50-50 chance that's the roster, and then there's a 50-50 chance we don't have three of those guys come to playoff. But yet again, we still have uh, like two other pitchers, you know, that couldn't be there this past weekend, which is a Hunter, or lefty. I don't know if you remember him. And then Noah, the righty that, you know, they're both, you know, like mid-80s. So, you know, I think we're, we're coming pretty strong coming to the playoff, whether they're, they're there or not. So we're going to be ready for it. What was it like going into last offseason and not to like open up old wounds, but the last two playoff series were so close. Two years ago, it was single elimination. Joel pitched a complete game. I believe the final score was three to two. Last year, it was a 2-0 sweep, but we won game one, nine to eight. And that game ended with the bases loaded, getting a ground ball to shortstop. If that ball is hit 10 feet the other direction, maybe you guys win. How frustrating has it been those last two years to be right there, knowing that you could have given two years ago the Mariners, I think you were the better team than the Mariners and likely would have won the championship. But even last year, giving the A's a run for the money, how much does that sit with you over those six months where you can't play baseball? Well, it's a, a little frustrating because you think about it every day. And you're like, man, just just small things because I know, you know, those games are pretty close. And coming coming into those games, I knew our weakness was always hitting, always, always. So a lot of our guys, you know, over the over the winter, we all started, you know, hitting a little bit, everything. Me, myself, a guy that's never hit a home run, started the year, uh, was it three, three for four with a home run? And I was, you know, pretty surprised about that. And like, I don't know if you know, but we're leading the league right now in home runs, which is we have six of them, which is which is pretty, pretty amazing. Thinking that the last two years we have any. So, you know, it feels pretty good. It's an explosion. Um, and I think that that lineup that you trotted out there was far scarier than what the A's have. Um, I think it was on par, if not better than what the Cubs have. I mean, I think depth wise, we have it over everybody because there's like 18 people on the roster and you can plug and play a lot of people who would be starters on other teams. But I thought like one through six was downright scary. And I will say younger players who have energy, who can do different things They yes, they can hit for power, but you guys were aggressive on the base pass. You exploited that. You took the extra base athletic fielding there was an unbelievable play at third there was a great play at shortstop athleticism in the outfield then you go to your arms and you were able to throw about four different people all different looks including the young kid who closed who when he's on he can be as as great as anybody can you tell yeah. me about him well he's he's a guy you know some someone's supposed to be going pro soon hopefully you know it sits sits about like 92 93 on his on his good days, you know, with a good slider, good uh, curveball, changeup, he's a he's a tough guy to match up against. You know, I remember two years ago I faced him when he first came to the league, and it's nothing easy, man. You know, it's nothing out of the world, but it's it's nothing easy. It's 
It's just a straight fastball. You know, you can't you can't hit it. What's his name? Uh, Kevin. Kevin Verbone. He, uh, yeah, he just, I, I love his confidence. I love his swagger out there. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get in his head every single game because there is a little of that going on. He goes right up to the edge, and it's a matter of if you can push him over it. But when he's getting the job done, yeah, talk your shit. I mean, that's that's awesome. That's fun to see. I love the emotion. Um, we have largely played games that have been really competitive, very little trash talking because I think there's a lot of mutual respect. But it was really awesome to feel that, like, little bit of animosity. I think it got testy a little there in the, like, in the later innings uh, between our bench and the catcher. Not anything bad, but just – the catcher was, um, yeah. we felt he was uh, really showing up the umpire on a lot of calls and, and we're letting him know about it. Um, mostly just gamesmanship, but that was a fun element. And I, it was a wake up call too, because I think that for the Cubs, we've had such success in the postseason, and it's largely been easy for us in the regular season that we haven't really encountered this adversity and it's really a moment where I feel like we're going to go one of two ways, right? We're either going to respond to it or we're going to get down in the dumps. But having said all that, I think that it's fair to say that maybe we aren't the first or second best team in the league when all is settled. And I think that that's a new reality for us. And maybe it inspires us to play tighter and to play cleaner because all of these games between the top four squads out there are largely decided on a razor thin margin comes down to defense. It comes down to walks. It comes down to take the extra bases. And I think that you did all of those things. Well, I think you have to be feeling really good about like the diversity of your team and all the different ways that you can win. Like you mentioned the home runs, but also I could see you guys winning pitchers duels by eking out a few runs by laying bunts down and stealing. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of us are never too sure about the bunting, but the kid that laid one for us, James, He's, you know, he's he's a pitcher in college, just got out of college, out of Aquinas. And he's like, you know, I can hit, you know, but I haven't done much of it. So he knows his job. He knows what to do. He knows to play for the team, you know. He's like, you know, I'm pretty quick, so give it a try. You know, if it doesn't work, at least I move the runner. Going around quickly to the rest of the league, we had the White Sox beating the Braves to move to 4-0. and They're the surprise of the young year. The Athletics are four and zero as well. You are three and one. The Mariners are three and one. The Cubs are two and two. The Padres are two and two, and the Marlins are two and two. So right there, I listed six or seven teams, and there's only six can make the playoffs. So I think it's going to be a battle all summer. What have you seen? I know that you got a huge victory over the Marlins. That was a bit of a slugfest. I think you guys hit four home runs. What have you seen from team from non-Cubs teams out there? What have been your impressions of the teams that you've played? Well, when we played uh, the first first game was against uh, Lendy. His team, you know, it's always almost pretty much the same guys. But like, I was catching that game. They them guys came out, you know, ready to hit fastballs. The first two swings of the games, they were fastball almost to the fence, basically. So you know, they're they're always ready to get on top of the fastball. Uh, another thing I'm seeing a lot too is Lendy. He's starting to pitch a lot of the games, you know, and giving the catcher job to somebody else for now, you know, to get up, get ahead of every game he can, you know. To and honest, I believe he's he's the best player they got. So you know, he he kind of knows that, so he has to put his best out there. That's a really good point because the Mariners always hit the ball. They have a really great lineup. They're 
Achilles heel has been pitching. They have the third baseman who pitches, who knows how to pitch, pitches a lot like me, um, doesn't really have shut down stuff, but can win games. But yeah, Lendy has been catching and that's prevented him from going out to the mound where he's also really good. He's a, I mean, he's a tremendously gifted player, every element of the game. And I think that he has the mindset too of a pitcher where he can take over. He has such pride in that team. They're always a tough out. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, teams are going to have to start playing well, or they're going to find themselves on the wrong edge of this playoff picture. The talk of getting the top two seeds that makes it so much easier. I have to assume that's been a talking point for you too to get that first round by. Oh yeah, because uh, that's the you know when the game got close uh, yesterday. You know, I was telling the guys, you know, no matter what happens, we got to win this game because this is what separates us at the end of the year. You know, it's it's pretty early in the season. We're gonna match up again, but you know, every win counts. You know, especially against you guys because. For all we know, we might end up with the same record. And, you know, that's that's what counts to separate us, to move us a step forward. Half of our games have had huge playoff implications. We've lost them both. Terrible to say. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about your experience with the league. When did you start playing? How did you find out about it? And do you remember kind of like the first time that you showed up? So, um, pretty funny. It was, uh, I believe the... 2018 or 2017 summer i moved here to michigan 2016 so i came to union high school where dante used to go to and that's that's how basically i knew about the league and then uh i don't know if you know thomas Dix. he he has the padres team now his brother was actually my coach in high school so uh he was always insisting on dante to make me a better player you know to bring me to the league so one day uh, I started playing with Tony in his uh, softball league and Manuel, which is the Cardinals owner, he was there and he was like, you know, I was telling him I can play this and that. And the first game I came to I actually pitched against the Cubs. The, I was catching and then like, I believe in the third or fourth inning, I came in to pitch, you know, I, I pitched him pretty well. And then from there on, it was just all histories with the Cardinals, basically. What was your baseball background before this? Uh, before that I played in New Jersey, I played, uh, two years in a uh, little league over there, which, you know, it wasn't much. And then when I moved here, that's when I, I got serious, started high school baseball. I put on, I put on a little bit of weight. I, you know, I gained, I was, when I got here, I was throwing about like 70, 75. I did a little bit of working out with Mike Eddington. I don't know if you're familiar with him. That's a Valley and, Field legend. Yeah. Yep. And then after that, you know, I was hitting the gym with him, working out. I put on about 10, 50 pound of muscle. And from there on, you know, started throwing harder, hitting the ball better. And from there on, you know, it was all history. When did it go from just something that you showed up and played it on Sunday to something that kind of like was a big part of your life? Um, I'd say for sure my, my junior year of high school, when, you know, I started going to practice here in, in high school and I was like, you know, uh, I seen like a lot of coaches were showing a, a, a lot of interest in me, you know, with the work ethic and everything, you know, I was always the guy that, you know, never took shortcuts, always, you know, ran, took practice, took practice seriously, all of that, you know, lift, did the small things, you know, and, you know, I was like, you know, if I want to make something out of it, you know, you got to give it a try. What do you get out of this league 
one of the common refrains is number one, it's something you look forward to during the week, also the off season. But I think what I've been hearing a lot is kind of like, it's the exact right amount of competitiveness, but also like friendship and just hanging out. And I think and I tell you from someone who's played like in a lot of different places, what makes this one special is that, yeah, it's competitive. Yeah. People want to win, but it does seem like there's kind of like a bigger grouping that there is this kind of like larger fraternity. And I think that that's really cool and that's really special. And it's something that I like, I think you're a big part of it too. You know, we played together like on the weeknight uh, games and I know you from the other teams and it's kind of like, it's immediately opens yourself up to knowing like 150 different ball players with a shared interest. What have been some of the moments that have stood out for you through the international baseball league and, and city majors that, has made you really happy that this is in existence in Grand Rapids. To be honest, where do I get started at? Because there's, there's, I can say there's been a lot of moments, not a lot that I, I, you know, I can remember most of them. But I say probably some of the big ones are like, you know, especially having All Star Weekend, which is something you don't see in all the leagues. I'd say, you know, that's that's the time for us to actually, you know, go ahead and have fun. And then the league itself, it's something, you know, like I said, everybody looks forward to it. Me, I work my schedule around the league, no matter what. It's something, you know, I have fun at, you know, no matter what, if I play, if I don't, you know, I get to see, you know, a lot of guys I know there. So it's just all fun. One thing that I've gleaned and really appreciated is being able to see the game through like others' eyes. And I think that what's cool about the International League is there's people from all over and from all kinds of different backgrounds. And more than that, like they're showing up and they want different things out of the experience. And instead of kind of being like, oh, that's not the way I would do it. And maybe part of this is getting older. It's kind of like, well, no, there's more than one way to do it. Maybe I'm not going to do it exactly how X person does or Y person does. But I think the more people you can expose yourself to, kind of like the cross-pollination of ideas in the dugout is really cool because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Once the game starts, there's nothing better than being on a baseball team. And you kind of grow to appreciate things people do on the field, no matter what form or fashion it comes in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, like, it's so much diversity, you know, in each and every single team, you know. It's like a lot of the guys, they tell them, you know, we speak Spanish and they hear us speaking Spanish. They're like, oh, I wish I took Spanish serious. I wish I took more classes in Spanish. I was like, I mean, no matter what you did in school, you know, it's not going to really help you learn that much. You're going to learn the real Spanish. You're listening to us and talking, you know, a lot of shit with us, basically, you know. That's how you learn the, the words that you need to learn for the streets. So are you going to hit more home runs this year or was this as a one-off? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, I'm looking forward to hitting a lot more. Uh, a good thing that, that helped me a lot after I hit that first home run, I don't know why, but every baseball looks like a beach ball right now to me. Look at this guy. Seeing the ball well, full of confidence, riding high off a win. Man, must be good to be you. And so thanks so much, dude. Uh, I would say good luck, but... I don't mean it. I want you to lose, uh, but I will share in your successes. And I really think that when the smoke clears, maybe that was the game that is going to decide the two seed. Um, the Cubs have no one to blame but themselves. Uh, Cause I think that the game was there for the taking for whoever oh, yeah. wanted it. Um, but you guys were able to access the energy early and often and kind of persist because that was a battle, man. 11 innings. I'm trying to think of the last time I played an 11 inning game. They've been few and far 
between, but it wasn't just that it was an 11 inning game. It was that from like the fifth inning on, it felt like every single base runner might be the difference. Yeah. It's like, you know, says like they say, you know, the next, the next person to get a hit might be the winner. If, <laughs> if I had a chance to give somebody MVP for that game, you know, you guys lost, but I give it a flick. No, no, no doubt. I mean, somebody could have went five for five and, and, and what I think I would have given it to him because he put on a show, man. 11th inning, he was throwing high 70s, man. And a lot of people not, not being able to do that anymore. It was it was incredible. Uh, I didn't know he had it in him. Now I'm happy to know that he does. All right, thanks so much. Yep. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.